what we have been looking um, through Advent at um, uh, Jesus' coming, and many of us can maybe have our ideas and truths as we would speak about Jesus coming, but we thought we would take this time of the year to consider what Jesus says about his coming. I came that, and we have been looking that over the last several weeks. I believe this is our last Sunday. You're not, okay, this is our last Sunday on that theme uh, for that, and we looked at light last night and this morning. We will look at life. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 10. I did not see what page that is in our Bibles in front of us, but it is a short text this morning. I'd ask you to listen carefully, and you're going to hear me repeat these words uh, regularly. We're going to look at just a portion of the scripture together this morning. A little context, John chapter 10, uh, the ninth verse uh, through the 11th verse, but I am going to focus us this morning on a part of the 10th verse, uh, maybe some words that are very familiar to us and might uh, the Lord use this morning to birth in us new understanding and experience of this great truth in our lives. The Gospel of John, the 10th chapter, beginning at the 9th verse, Jesus speaks these words, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this good word. This book that I'm holding, this book that many are holding, this is, this is a good word. And Lord, we consider it a privilege to just have time to consider your word together. So Lord, I pray that, that we would not merely listen this morning, but together we would participate in your word together. Would you be pleased to speak with us? Would you be pleased by your Holy Spirit to illumine our hearts and minds even now to understanding? I know for the kids, and I'm sure for many parents, either because of weariness or just excitement, there's lots going through our hearts and minds right now. Would you quiet our hearts and our minds, and would you help us for just a few moments to consider the truth from your word that Jesus has come to give us life and to give it abundantly? Help us to see that this morning and help us to savor that this morning, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I have shared this uh, illustration many times, and I just, I'm just not good with illustrations, I guess, so I'll share it again. Uh, just an illustration at the outset here. Carol and I, some years ago, it's probably 12 or 15 years now, had an opportunity to go to Sight and Sound Theater. Uh, we have seen many productions at Sight and Sound Theater, but probably the one that has struck me, because it's the one I use as an illustration more than any others, is the show In the Beginning. And we went to the show In the Beginning at the Sight and Sound Theater. And I have to tell you, honestly, uh, for the first 35 minutes, I was absolutely blown away. And for 35 minutes, in a theatrical way, they just presented Adam and Eve in heaven. And, and, and my heart went places. My mind went places. I was so exhilarated. I was so overwhelmed at what I was seeing. On stage, it was presented with, there was such a, a joy and there was such a blessedness. There was such a pleasure. There was such intimacy with God and with Adam and Eve. There was such plenty. There was such satisfaction. There was such joy. It was so tangible. It was so palpable that you couldn't help but just, just to feel the joy. Man and woman living as God created them to live. 
Everything was provided for them. Abundance upon abundance. And for 35 minutes, my heart just soared at what life was meant to be like. But even in those minutes, I couldn't help but even begin to think about what wasn't there. No pain, no heartache, no anxiety, no stress, no worry, no sorrow, no guilt, no shame, no sore shoulders, no creaky backs, none of that. But for 35 minutes, I just considered just a glorious reality. And we know in the Bible, in Genesis 3, verse 6, the woman is tempted by the serpent, and she takes of the fruit, and she eats, and she gives the fruit to her husband, and he eats. And God had said in Genesis chapter 2, you can eat of any of it. It's all yours, and it's for your enjoyment, and it's for your satisfaction. Just do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Death. Spiritual death. Physical death. Spiritual death. We no longer live that way. We don't even desire to live that way anymore. We don't care about God. We don't care what God thinks about us or anything. We don't live for God. We live for ourselves. We don't live for his pleasure and for his glory. We live for our pleasure and we live for our glory. We, we are spiritually dead. We cannot in and of ourselves do a single thing that would bring an ounce of pleasure or glory to God in and of ourselves. Spiritually, we are dead. Physically, we've been touched this season. My family's been touched. Death. We, we die. We, we stop living. And physical death is a result of what happens. Spiritual death, physical death. And Jesus says to us this morning, I have come that you might have life. I have come for dead people that you might have life. Now, before I go any further, I, I need to say this. Jesus loves you this morning. Jesus loves you this morning with a love our minds will never fully get around. There will never be a song written. There will never be a message preached that will be able to give you the fullness of how much Jesus Christ loves his church, his bride, his people. Maybe more than anything else we need to hear this Christmas is that word. Maybe in the midst of all that we have done, we have forgotten the simple fact that God has a love for us that our minds and our hearts will never fully comprehend. We will never experience the full depths of God's love for us. And I want to say to you this morning, now this is love. Not that we love God because we don't love God, but that he loves us. And he has sent his son to be a propitiation, a wrath-bearing, a justice-bearing, a punishment-bearing sacrifice for our sins. Jesus came to give us life by dying. 
And in his love, he came and bore the punishment that your sin and my sin deserves. He came to be a substitute. He came to pay a price that none of us can pay. But the perfect, sinless son of God could pay a price that we couldn't pay, and he did it in love. And the Bible also says this, that, 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 what's amazing, that just went right out of my mind. Uh, the Bible also says that, um, that's terrible, it went right out of my mind, I'm sorry. I know. I quote this verse, possibly more than I quote any other verse. And on Christmas morning, it left me, but that's good. We needed a pause. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. That while we were sinners, we were wicked. I don't give a rip what God thinks. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Jesus came, and he died for us. And he died for us so that we might live. The text that we had, verse 9, talks about Jesus being a gate. That's a big thing. I can't get into it this morning. This gate for the sheep. The sheep can go out and in. We can go out and we can truly live in and out. He says, I am the gate. And through those who believe, we'll be saved. Jesus is a, is a savior. He's, he's the good shepherd. He's the one that lays down his life for the sheep. I'm going to talk about sheep in just a minute. But it's no good for the shepherd to, to if you will, die for the sheep. That would almost... Be a bad thing if the shepherd gives his life up for the sheep. Now the sheep are absolutely desperate. They have no one to do all that the shepherd needs to do for them. But Jesus, in a saving way, in a redemptive way, in a rescuing way, Jesus is the good shepherd because he lays his life down for the sheep so that they may live. And that's the good word this morning. Jesus said, I have come to bring life. I've come so that you may have life. John, 1 John 1, 5, 12 says, He that has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son does not have life. Jesus came to bring us life. More than anything else we need to know this morning is the life that is known through the saving work of Jesus Christ. And I praise God for a church who preaches that message and who sings that message and who prays that message again and again and again. We never move on from this gospel message. We just move into a deeper, more richer, more fuller understanding of this message that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And he gives us life, spiritual life, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Brothers and sisters, know this morning, he came to bring you life. I want to lean in for just a few moments this morning. That is glorious and wonderful and worthy of so many messages and does receive so many messages. I'm going to lead on abundant life. He came that we may have life and we might have it abundantly. He came to bring us abundant life. He, he speaks to that. These aren't my words. These are his words. And I want to just kind of lean in. And I only have a few moments. And way more is going to go unsaid that's going to go said. But I believe it's worthy of our attention this morning. I can't imagine that people listening to Jesus talk about being the good shepherd. That they would listen to him and their minds, their Jewish minds, would not drift back. Most, 
maybe all, to sit and listen. Jesus, this is this is John 10, some kind of talking about being the good shepherd. There's one thing the Jewish mind's got to be going to, to, I believe. King David, 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. So I just want to go there this morning. I just want to take a few minutes, and in context of Jesus coming to give us life and to giving us life abundantly, I want to go to the 23rd Psalm. But before I do, just think of this abundance. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. What does that mean? What is the abundant life? What are we talking about here? Well, just the word abundance in an English dictionary, the English kind of thing. is Abundance is the rising of waves. I'm a big Ocean City person. I love to stand at Ocean City. My family knows. They're going to say, I do. I just stand there for hours. That's my beach. I hate the rest of it. I just stand and look, and it's this endless, we say endless, eternal. We say that stuff, and we understand, but what, it doesn't stop. It just keeps coming. Long before I got here, long after I'm gone, these waves just keep doing what God created to do. And these rising, this abundance, this continual supply, they talk about overflowing, Abundance is an overflow. It's not just full. It's, it's, it's overflowing. He came to bring us ongoing, continual, overflowing life. That's what he's saying to us. In, in the Greek, the word, uh, it, it's, a, it's a mathematical term. And in, in the Greek, it, it means um, extra, like, like surplus. And, and probably just the best way to illustrate it is Jesus feeds 5,000. You mentioned it last night. Jesus feeds the 5,000, probably more like eight or 10,000 with women and children. And they have just five little puny pieces of bread and, and two little fish. And what is that among all these people? And Jesus not only feeds the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, he completely satisfies the word of God says. They were all satisfied. They didn't eat a little bit to just hold them over. They ate a lot. And what should just blow us away is... The disciples go and collect 12 baskets full, basket full of leftovers. That's abundance. He doesn't just satisfy. He goes and does more. And, and that's what we see in our good shepherd. And that's where probably many of us right here, I've been dealing with this. This has been so good for my soul because Christmas, all I've been thinking was I got to pre preach on Christmas messages. And some of these words have been so good to me. As I've gone through, let's consider the 23rd Psalm just real briefly this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jesus is my good shepherd. I will never, ever, ever be in want. Never. There will be, never be a moment in my life where I can say, and it can be utterly truthful about Jeff Crispin, I'm lacking something here, Lord. Never. It'll get dark. And the pain is going to be real. And we might know depths of sorrow and discouragement. And we might go places we never go. But we'll never, ever, ever say we lack. Paul was taken to some places, some really, really dark places. I don't know if it was mentioned recently. But he did get to that place and still said, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul, you're exceedingly weak right now. But my power is perfected in your weakness. In Jesus, we will never be in want. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. 
every experience, every, every need for, for contentment and, and joy and peace and strength in this daily battle with sin in the world in which we live, we will lack no spiritual thing. He will provide all, all that we need through the Jesus' glories and, and riches in Christ Jesus. He, he will provide all our need. And that's just the truth. That's just something as I see. And in this one, abundant living is knowing it might not feel like it. It might not look like it to anyone else. We are never in lack. He is always with us. And he will never forsake us. And we really, truly can say no matter how bad it gets, and it might get really bad, but we can never truly say that we lack, that we are in want. He does meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We're never in want. He leads us. Uh, he, he causes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. I can't get into it, but sheep are just sheep. They're dumb and they're stupid and they can't sleep. But this text says the good shepherd leads them to places of rest and sleep. If they got bugs, there's nothing they can do about it. If, if there's infighting among the pack, there's nothing they can do about it. If there's some threats from outside, there's nothing they can do about it. If, if they haven't had any food, they're not going to sleep. And the good shepherd takes care of all of that. And I want to say for us, our good shepherd, he gives us rest. He's our source of peace. He's the prince of peace. And our world is utterly chaos and it's utterly confused and we are never in lack. And we have one Jesus come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And if there's just a word for the church, even that just sleep, he will grant it. There are many, many dark nights of the souls, but even God will, he will grant, our good shepherd will grant that rest that we will need. He will grant, this prince of peace will grant us all the peace that, that we would need. And, and just wonder, are we a restful people? Are we a peaceful people in the midst of all the chaos and confusion and sin and world in which we do? He leads us beside still waters. We've never lacked. I, I've never lacked. And we could speak of world hunger and we could speak of other things. I'm 57 years old. I've never missed a meal. He's provided water, physical food for me to eat and physical food for me to drink. He's a good shepherd. He's able to meet all of our physical needs. The, 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 the sheep couldn't even water that was moving, so they had to find water that wasn't moving. And the shepherd took care of that. Will he not take care of us? Oh, little faith, you, oh, little faith. Look at the birds and look at the lilies. If I clothe them and feed them, why not clothe you and, and feed you, oh, you of little faith? It's not this word of condemnation. He's just, it's a word of come and trust me. Come and know me. Come and live this life that I have for you in abundance, spiritually. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And if you believe in me, as the scripture says, from your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. I wonder in the church, rivers, is that how we begin to describe? He is so full. He is so vast. His, his goodness towards me is so great that there's rivers of living water flowing in and through my life. Abundance. Our good Lord, our good Savior provides those things. He, he goes on and he speaks not only of, of, of lying down in green pastures and leading us beside still waters, but 
He restores our soul. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Jesus restores our soul. God restores our soul. The good shepherd restores our soul. Amazon cannot restore my soul. There's nothing under the tree necessarily that's going to restore my soul. There's nothing on Netflix that's going to restore my soul. There's no trip to the kitchen that's going to restore. I'm just being real. I'll speak to me. God restores our soul. And we have reminders all around us at Christmas. And just Mary, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. The Lord restores our soul. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in times of trouble, Psalm 46 tells us. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing in earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God restores our souls. He's given us his very word. He's lovingly poured out his spirit in our lives. He's surrounded us with people, all to direct us back to him in his word. God restores our souls. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Abundant living. He has saved us. He has set us free from the dominion of sin that we would walk in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. From the garden, I sin. I care little for what he thinks. I care little for what glorifies him. I care little for what pleases him. Jesus lays down his life. He gives me life in the abundant life now. I have been given all resources. He's given me his word. He's given me his Holy Spirit that I might walk in paths of righteousness, not for my sake. But we can begin to live for what we were created to do. His redeemed people living lives that glorify his name. Walking in paths of righteousness. What in the world is that? Loving your neighbor. Putting the interests of others ahead of your own. Loving your enemies. Whatever you would have done to you, you would do that to, to, to others. My, my, my followers, my ones, they, if, if they love me, they do what I command. We don't do it to get right. We don't do it to, to, to balance any scales. We don't do it so God's going to look affectionately upon us. We do it because we're redeemed. We do it because Jesus has fulfilled all the righteousness, and now he empowers us to walk in paths of righteousness for his name's sake and glory. To an unbelieving world to see the beauty of God's redemption in our lives. They see it in how we live, and they see it in how we speak. And miracle of miracles, our Father's pleased. And he's delighted as we would walk humbly, not perfectly, not even good a lot of days, but we would walk trusting and relying and looking and leaning upon him. He, he restores our souls. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He takes us right to the lowest of lows. He takes us as deep in the valley as we can go with the sheep. The, the shadow of death, even that has been defeated. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, grave, is your sting? I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And he that believes in me, 
he, he that lives and believes in me shall never die. Even death itself we need not fear. We, we don't have to just be anxious and afraid. The, the Christmas narrative is just fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. All has been provided. All resources have been made available. We don't have to live in fear, but we can, we can joyfully embrace God's good purposes, even when it's down in valleys of the shadow of death. My rod and my staff will comfort you. I know I have a lot of amens in this room. I've been brought to some really low places. I've done it to myself. I've walked in some, and it is just sin and struggle and the human existence and death and funerals and being a pastor for 30 years. I've been in some very low places, and I got to tell you, I've experienced depths of compassion, comfort, care, nearness to God that I don't experience in other places. And I have a loving Heavenly Father that takes me by the hand and leads me into the valley of the shadow of death, and I need not fear any evil because he's near me. And brothers and sisters, in those times, I know he's near me. And there's times I've forsaken, there's times I've run my way, and he's patiently brought me back. But his rod and his staff, he is the, what, the God of all comforts and Father of, Father of mercy and God of all comforts, Second Corinthians, I think, tells us first chapter. He comforts us and he meets us. His rod and his staff for the sheep is such a precious illustration. But even in the valley of the shadow of death, abundance. We're going to bear witness to Jesus maybe far more here than when everything's well and good. But when we walk through death, I've asked this man and I've asked that man, help me to die well. Help me to suffer well. Not for Jeff's sake, but for Jesus' sake. Most of the biographies we read of people, they're not perfect people, they're weak people. They suffered and died well, clinging to promises, encountering their Savior in profound ways and just bearing witness of how great this God is. And as we're going to see in just a moment, this is not the final word on our lives. He comforts us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil. Our cups overflow. He takes me to my enemies. He puts me in places I would not want to be. He sets up meetings that I've got to kind of do to lead me. And in those meetings, what happens? Am I fearful? Am I anxious? No. He says, your head will be anointed and your cup will overflow. Not only will you get through it, but you're going to experience abundance in and through it. And you're going to be my witness in that difficult, dark place. Maybe more than at other times. I'm going to set you down upon people that don't like you. They don't care for you. They don't agree with you. They don't listen to you. And I'm going to set you in those places. And your head's going to be anointed with oil. Cup overflow. Always in the Old Testament. Anointing blessing. Cup joy. In the presence of your enemies. Blessings and joy, blessings, and joy, blessings, and joy. This is the abundant life. Money to things that I run away from. I don't want anything to do with. He's leading us in places, hard places sometimes. That's what it is. And in the midst of that, rod and staff, anointed and, and cup overflowing, peace. Need not fear. I am with you. Anoints our heads with oil. Our cups overflow. 
two things. I, I got two things that are chasing me down every day of my life. I got two. If it was my interpretation of God's activity, my, like frustration and anger. He's, here's God, Jeff Crispin. All right, I'm just, well, I'm just a kid. We make mistakes. We're ignorant. We don't do things we shouldn't do. And I just think God's fr frustration, anger, anger, frustration. And the truth of the matter is, every moment of my life, he's pursuing me with goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy, mercy and goodness, the goodness of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus are following. Before I wake up, I laid in bed, tossing and turning last night. All I got from God was goodness and mercy. I got up this morning and all I get, I'm just, you start to think about the day and you just, you start to weigh the weights. You barely even got through into the night. And now you're in the morning, you're already starting to worry about the kind of goodness and mercy, mercy and goodness, goodness and mercy, mercy and goodness. Every day, pursuing us. Jesus bore the wrath. He bore the anger. All the frustration has been spent. All God has for me is goodness and mercy. He will discipline me in goodness and mercy every day of my life. And brothers and sisters, the best is yet to come. Because we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And we don't deserve to be there, but, but, but through faith in Jesus, and even that faith was a gift, the word of God says that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The best is yet to come. Kids, I don't care how good your Christmas was. It was the best Christmas ever. I'm telling you, small, insignificant compared to what's to come for the believer in Jesus. The best is truly yet to come. I spoke at the beginning about, about being at, at Sight and Sound for 35 minutes and how joyful that was. And, and I've, I, in time, I've thought about the, the paradise there and the paradise that was lost there. And this week, as it would be fit, not my planning, I am in the end of Book of Revelation at the end of my reading plan, and I read Revelation 19. And I think of what was in the garden, and I think of what's in Revelation 19. What does Adam and Eve know of redeeming love? What does an Adam and Eve know of redeeming grace? What does Adam and Eve know of God taking on flesh and coming and living and dying? We will celebrate things in heaven forever. A marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm getting a new body. That's not a personal whatever. That's what the word of God says. Jesus was bodily resurrected. He had flesh. He had bones. He ate fish. There will be a marriage supper that we will gather in. He said he has adorned his bride for this supper. And we will be prepared and ready. And I will get a resurrection body. And you will get a resurrected body. And we will dwell on a new resurrected earth. The word of God says Jerusalem adorned like a bride for her husband is going to come down out of heaven to earth. God is going to dwell with his people. He will be their God and they will dwell with him. And God himself will be our God. No more faith. No more confusion. Our faith will become sight and we will dwell forever. We will rule and reign forever. We will celebrate forever. Because of Jesus' work for us and Jesus' coming to bring us life. And to bring it abundantly. We live abundantly now as Paul exhorts us in Philippians chapter 1 for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. I've said before and I say it this morning, brothers and sisters, we will never truly live 
until we see dying as gain. It doesn't mean we rush to our deaths. We just see it for what it is. It's true. It's real. Dying is gain. And when God opens our eyes and inflames our heart with this great truth and with this great reality, brothers and sisters, now we finally live. We truly live fearless, not foolish, but fearless in the sense there's nothing going to come my way that God hasn't ordained for me. And if it's bad right now, Lord, so be it. I know you will provide everything I need in this moment. And the next moment, and the next moment, and the next moment. And it's true. You might not feel it this morning. Goodness and mercy are pursuing you right now. Goodness and mercy are pursuing us every day of our lives. That's just starting to scratch the surface of what Jesus said when he says, I've come to give you life. Not an easy life. Not, not, not a kind of a, I've come to give you life, abundant life. And he's made every provision for that. And as we would walk through those together and, and, and allow God to glorify himself as we would be wholly relying upon him in those moments, uh, I would pray this Christmas day and the days to come, we might know and in greater understanding and experience the fullness of I have come that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your provision of this. This isn't our making up. This isn't our deciding, our, our coming to conclusions. It's, it's, it's what you have provided for us made available to us. And Lord, I just thank you for life in your name. I thank you for the forgiveness of sins. I thank you for the promise of eternal life. And Lord, we see in your word that for the early church, and we know through church history, this life is not easy. This life is hard. The way is difficult, but the way is glorious. And Lord, might your provision of grace, the working of your Holy Spirit, work in us greater love and faith and devotion to you, O oh God. And may that love and faith and devotion just work its way out more and more in our lives, that a, a rightness, a righteousness would be worked increasingly for your glory and for your praise. We thank you for meeting us here on this Christmas morning, and we do pray all praise and glory and honors, honor is yours and yours alone. We pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.